When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassworth coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, or follow us, or do whatever you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. Also, Pop Culture Cosmos. And, of course, the great place to go for every Lakers fan that's out there, Lakerholics.com. And if you're a basketball fan, there's no better articles to read than Medium.com slash Basketball-University. So we truly appreciate everyone out there supporting all of us that they can. And also, we start running the great deal with our friends from the Hoopheads Podcast Network at HoopheadsPod.com with Manscaped. I know that always brings Laker Tom a chuckle, but if you type in the code, fast break, all one word, you can get 20% off anything at manscaped.com plus free shipping. And if you get their lawnmower 4.0, it takes care of everything that you need as far as men's grooming is concerned. So there you go, right there for you, 20% off plus free shipping from your friends at the Lakers Fast Break. Well, we're right in the middle of the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. We've already had Trey Young doing a little bit of shimmying right there, showing off. I love that kid's moxie. So we're going to talk about, in fact, I'm throwing this on to our discussion at the back end. We're not going to talk about the front end, but the back end. Possibly reevaluating a long thought of trade now, three years now in. Is the Luka trade so much of a disadvantage now for Atlanta. I mean, I think of it clearly in a different fashion. So we'll talk about that coming up later in the program. But first, we're going to be talking on about Lakers, 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 and then we'll go ahead and on the way out, talk about the NBA draft. I also know that we want to talk about Jason Kidd, who may be headed out to town in the not too distant future as well. But here with me today are two great guests indeed. First up to talk the NBA draft, now that the lottery is over and done with. And we now know where the top half of the draft is going. Now, we always knew where the Lakers draft is going, but could that change with a possible trade? We'll discuss that and more. But first up is a good man indeed. You got to catch what he's writing today at medium.com slash basketball dash university. We have not scared him off yet. And thank goodness for that. It is Spencer Young. It's Spencer. Great to have you on the program once again. Good to have you back. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on again. All right. I'm so glad that Laker Tom and our quibbles and quabbles haven't scared you off yet. But give us time. We may just do that. But hopefully not, because you bring so much to the show in a positive fashion. And I noticed Sean Grice isn't here as yet. So there you go. So, right? Maybe we scared Sean Grice instead. So be that as it may, or maybe he, since he's in Canada right now and Montreal is celebrating the victory over my beloved Golden Knights, maybe that's the reason why as well. But again, we want to talk about Lakers right now. The Lakers are drafting 22nd. As of now, they're drafting 22nd. You have already seen, hopefully, or most likely out there, whether it's on the popculturecosmos.com or lakerholics.com, my mock draft 1.0, and I think they probably added it to hoopheadspod.com as well on their blog area. So you saw my mock draft I put up just after the lottery. You also heard my conversation, hopefully, as well on the previous episode with my good friend, Mr. Rafael Barlow, and heard his mock draft thoughts already, and also checked out his site, nbadraftjunkies.com. Big shout out to him. But I wanted to go ahead and ask you, my friend, first off, do you think the Lakers will stay at the 22nd spot? They have to keep a first-round pick. But could they trade up in the draft? Um, so it's interesting you say they have to use their pick because once they draft the player, they could trade that player. So Yeah, but they have to hold on to him. You, you, have to, you can't just automatically trade the rights. If that's that's what I'm understanding, I'd say the likelihood that they trade up is pretty low. I think based on you look at past teams led by LeBron James, I think typically their first round picks obviously they're around the late twenties and they don't get much punting time. I think another aspect is the fact that really what do the Lakers have to trade up, right? Because if you if you're going to trade up, you're going to trade up with more second round picks or even a another future first, which the Lakers are low on both of those already. So that, I, and given that um, LeBron James led teams really don't play rookies that often, I think yeah. it makes the probability of the Lakers drafting up or trading up in the draft pretty low. Hmm, but they do have some assets still that they could package with that 22nd pick. So, you know, they could do things like maybe a package of Kuzma in the first or THT in a first or something like that. I know there's some teams that are looking possibly to trade down or maybe trade for more, I guess, season-ready players. And that's something that both Orlando, Oklahoma City, and especially Golden State are looking at because both have uh, all those teams have multiple picks in this year's draft. So that could be very interesting to see where those teams – what those teams do as far as for the NBA draft. But here today also to speculate on things that are going on is a man who's now turning his attention to free agency, the off season and the NBA draft. A good man. Indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he does for Lakerholics.com. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom and Laker Tom. Great to have you back. It's interesting. And I throw that out there as far as possibly uh, the Lakers do have to make a first round draft pick. That That's something that they are bound by, by the step in rule, but there's not any which way that they have to actually intend on keeping him after a certain point. They, they can go ahead and trade the rights or trade the individual at a later point in time. Can't they? Yeah, actually they, they can actually make a deal and just not consummate the deal until draft day and actually make the pick on behalf of another team. 
And that's what I expect will happen this year. I think it's just like last year. When you have a 36-year-old superstar, LeBron James, who's had been injured uh, two of the last three years, you start to see the end of the LeBron James era. And as much as Raphael Barlow says that he's a cyborg and he can play till he's 40, we're starting to see the reality that father time is unbeaten. And I think that the last thing that the Lakers want to do is to squander or waste one of those rare last windows in LeBron James' opportunities to win a championship or the franchise's opportunity to win their 18th championship. So I fully, I agree with Spencer that there's, they really don't have the assets to trade up. Secondly, the focus of this team is not looking to create and to find young stars that will in two or three or four years be like Brandon Ingram and, and, you know, and, and like, like the players that they've drafted in the past that have developed. This is not what you do when you have LeBron James and you just don't want to draft players for Anthony Davis because you need to maximize the situation with LeBron right now. So I expect them to make a deal similar to what they did last year when they traded Danny Green and and their first-round pick, uh, the rights to make that first-round pick to the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, I'm sorry, to the Oklahoma City Thunder for Dennis Schroeder. And I think that uh, we're going to see a similar trade this year. One of the important things to recognize, too, is that the Lakers don't have a whole lot of trade assets. And they don't have any free agency other than the exceptions, which basically they've used the BAE, the biannual exception last year, so they can't do that. So they're they're facing either the taxpayer MLE at around $6 million or the non-taxpayer MLE for $9.5 million. That's the only way that they're going to be able to add free agents other than veteran minimum players. So not only do they not have the assets, but they need they need players who can help right now. The only possible exception I could see is if they ran into a situation where they didn't find the kind of trade that they wanted to make in the offseason and sort of kick the ball down to the trade deadline midseason and were then to draft a player, let's say – like the guy that you had designated, who's a 25-year-old shooter, um, who could help the team right now because he's probably ready to play right now. Chris Duarte out of Oregon. Closer to, closer to what the player he's going to be than, let's say, Taylor Horton Tucker is, for example, who's still at 20 years old, and and you know you 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 envision what he could be, but three years from now he could be as different as as Brandon Ingram has become in the three years since we traded for. Anthony Davis. So I expect the Lakers to trade that pick. Or like you said, it it could be a situation where if you do have the chance or opportunity during the course of the draft and they don't have something set up on the previous occasion, let's say, or let's say the night before the day before or earlier in the day that they already have an agreement in place that they don't have that. You've seen things on the fly with the NBA draft. If somebody likes a certain prospect and he falls to a certain spot, then the Lakers could get the call and, Something could materialize then, or maybe the Lakers might make a you know a small move to trade up, maybe a couple spots and throw a second rounder here that they've got down the road or what you know. You could see some More small likely that they'll buy a second rounder because yeah, they they, that that's this, also a possibility in this particular well. draft, um, yeah. and they can spend you know up to five million dollars to 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 buy a draft pick. 
Well, it should should have worked out a couple of years ago when they had the chance to get Man, Terrence Man. Wouldn't that mm-hmm. been nice? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, we'll see what happens there. But again, he's been playing very well for the Clippers, and we'll talk about them in a little bit. But Laker Tom wanted me to delay tonight's video so he could go ahead and watch the Clippers. And I uh, wanted to watch the Clippers lose, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I thought I'd, I still I thought I'd never in my life hear you say the words. I want to wait to see the Clippers. So, okay. All right. We did. Actually, I wanted to wait to see the Suns. Is really the way that you should have phrased it. Okay, well, I was watching the Golden Knights anyways, but their season's over as well. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to Manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. But Spencer, I want to ask you this, when it comes to the draft as well. Is there anyone that you're looking at? Because you've seen the, in, the individuals that I have in and around that area as of now on my mock drafts. And in that, in and around that area, let me tell you some of the prospects out there that, that are available or could be available at that time. Cameron Thomas from LSU, a nice shooting guard, likes to fill it up. Greg Brown, athletic. There's probably no one more athletic in the entire draft, but he's very raw. Like I mentioned, Chris Duarte, who at 24 years old is a much older prospect than what a lot of people would actually like coming out of college, but he is already ready to go ahead and fill it up. I think a very good shooter from the outside and a very solid defender. Zaire Williams, who had a lot of pre-lottery hype and was looking very like, very much like when he came out of high school, like he was going to be a top 10 pick, but did have a rough season at Stanford. He could be in and around that area. Jared Butler, that might be up to the situation in regards to his health because he had a pre-draft combine checkup that uh, I guess suggested some possible heart issues. So his status is going to be up in the air. Johnny Juzang from UCLA, Trey Mann from Florida, Corey Kispert may even fall to that area. So I want to hear your thoughts on who you're thinking about that might fall in the area that the Lakers might actually end up keeping if that possibility remains. Yeah, so I think Chris Duarte still has to be the number one target, but I think there's sort of a historic, a recent like precedent where um, you have like 23, 24 year old college um, players who are like three and D wings, and those type of players have such high demand in the NBA, so it's really hard to, you know, sort of bet that he's going to be available at number 22. I think a great example would be with Cameron Johnson. So. You know, I, I think it was 22 or 23 in college, dominating and shooting and just a truly elite mark from three. So every 
every contending team obviously would like to get their hands on him, but he ended up going late in the lottery when it was the yeah. anticipation. At the time, I remember being a reach by the Suns that people were saying that that was uh, a little bit of a reach, but it sure worked out for them, hasn't it? Yeah, so you wouldn't want to see a repeat of that situation if you're um, L.A. I think beyond that, um, Zaire Williams would be a risk. I think he'd be a potential play. I don't think for next season particularly he'd be he'd be getting a lot of playing time. And then I guess if L.A. decided that they wanted to address their need for a shot creation, I think you could – I guess, draft Trey Mann or Cameron Thomas. I don't think Sharif Cooper will be there. He's a little low on my list now, but he tested out, uh, I guess, well above what people were anticipating. So if he is actually, truly has grown three inches since the end of the college basketball season, <laughs> that he could be as high as the in the lottery. He could go in the lottery uh, because of his playmaking ability. Can't shoot yet. But his free throw percentage suggests that he will probably go ahead and develop some kind of shot from outside in the NBA. And, yeah, I think he's another player. He's clearly talented. But I think let's assume the Lakers re-sign Taylor Horton Tucker. I think you have enough, you know, young players that you're banking on having potential in after LeBron retires. So I think, you know, with just 15 roster spots, you need – you need players that can help LeBron win now, I think. So, yeah, the likelihood you draft the scoring guard is generally pretty low. I, I agree. I agree with you on that. Unless you're able to get someone that is going to help you right away, that is more seasoned. Zaire Williams is a risk and someone who could potentially pay off big time because he had a lot of high hopes coming into the college basketball season. But, again, is very raw and had a rough year at Stanford. But if you're able to get someone like a Chris Duarte, who is, again, he is what he is coming out of college. He's basically is not going to go ahead and give you that much more potential growth, but he could be a, a key player and a key contributor right away for you. And that's something that we've seen in Boston from Peyton Pritchard and also from Desmond Bain in Memphis. Some of these rookies that are on the back end of the first round that could that have really provided a great contribution for their teams. Laker Tom, I mean, that's a possibility, getting a role player. Again, you've also made a great suggestion that they could buy their way in the second round, which I'm hoping that they'll do. Something that they should have done maybe over the past couple of years is those, those years that they didn't have a second round, maybe buy into it still because there's been, like you said, some really good choices in the second round, <clears throat> Nikola Jokic for one. But be that as it may, I want to hear your thoughts on should – it's more likely, like you're saying, that they're going to probably package the deal. but one of those teams that I'm thinking that might be interested because if they choose Evan Mobley at the top of the draft, Houston, we, I know that Raphael and I talked about it being a little bit of an awkward fit with him and Christian Wood. Christian Wood may be available after all. Well, you know that I, ever since you proposed that trade a year ago for Christian Wood and a couple of other guys, that was Markeith uh, Morris and yeah, also I, Derek Rose. That was definitely would have been a dynamite trade. And you bring it up over and over, Gerald. I, and I can't and I blame you. I can't I blame can't. you, man. It's a good trade. Every um, time Derek Rose hits a three or makes New York look good or Markeith Morris shines his ring or Christian Wood goes for 25 and 10, you know, I just can't. Yeah. 
But, you know, if you just take a look at what's happening now in the league, this is the third year for Trey Young. Look how he's playing. This is, you know, unless unless you get a guy like Luka Doncic, who's really already been trained how to play in the playoffs, has been a pro since he's 16 years old, and, and is not a really a rookie coming in because of that experience in Europe. Unless you get a guy like that, anybody you draft is going to be a couple of years away from from being able to help you. So it's a difficult thing. The only thing, you know, like if you ask me the same question you asked Spencer, which is who would you pick if you had ended up, let's say we ended up and all of the trades that we wanted to do fell through, so we ended up taking the pick. Then I think you go for a shooter, you know, maybe somebody like Chris Bird, you know, who can, who can, who's a really pure three-point shooter and, and hopefully, you know, you always have need for shooting and the Lakers desperately needed shooting. The league has the three-point shooting this year, once we're out of the bubble, has been dramatically better in the playoffs than previous years. So there's always a chance that the Lakers may find somebody that they fall in love with. Would be great if they could find the next Kobe Bryant, you know, and and uh, maybe move up from 22 to 13 and 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 have a great thing. But the other side of it is, you still got to look at the LeBron James situation. The, the you know, and and you have to get somebody to fill that that role up. I think um, what I find interesting is that this is the same logic I apply to um, to Taylor Horton Tucker. I mean, there's nobody who was. An earlier arrived, an earlier resident of the THT island than I was. That's I've correct. always loved this guy. I've loved the way he gets to the rim. I love his ability, his physical traits, the seven-one wingspan, and and the, the the he's basically the most weight of any six-foot-four player in the league. You combine those things with giant hands and so forth, and his instincts. And if if he were shooting three point, if he could really shoot the three point shot and mid range jumpers as well as he shoots from the free throw line, he would be untouchable. But he needs to finish too. He needs to finish. Well, better. I'm not worried about the finishing. The finishing comes because he's a one dimensional player now. You know, everybody knows he's going to that rim, and he still he still has a pretty good percentage of finishing at the rim, and he's only doing it one hand. It's you know, it's just different angles of that right hand. But he's not going to be in the top seven lineup next year, probably, for the Lakers. He's definitely not going to be a starter. There was some talk that people on the Lakers, even Frank Vogel, had kidded that, geez, this kid probably going to start next year. I don't think that's the case, you know, because what the Lakers need for their starters are three-point shooters. And right now, that's that's really his weakness, you know. So let me ask you a question. He's going to be, if he gets re-signed by the team, He's going to be resigned at a hefty price because someone out there is going to price gouge, you know, whether or not they intentionally actually want to sign him or they just want to match. They just want it so that the Lakers would have to match at a higher price. Right. It, it's, he's going to come back at a much more expensive, what, let's say 10 to 12 million. Do you, you see that out of the realm of possibility? Rich Paul is not going to allow him to sign with another team with a poison pill. He will wake out a deal for the Lakers. And the only reason he's going to make a deal with another team well, not necessarily is because the Lakers pill, can trade him. But they're going to jack up the price if they know the Lakers are going to try to resign him. Sure. Rich is going to get as much money for him as he possibly can. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, when you've got the same somebody, token, he's not going to undermine a team that has eight of his clients on it. 
No, but what I want to ask you this, when you have a person, and this comes out of the point where we always talk about Schroeder, we always talk about Mm -hmm. KCP. Okay, you signed him a contract to X amount. And does that mean now you're obligated to go ahead and make him an integral part of the rotation? Because you said, even at this point, THT may not be a consistent part of the rotation. That troubles me if you're going to sign him to a 10 plus million dollar a year contract, and he's not a part of your regular rotation. Well, what bothers me more is if he's a part of the regular rotation and he still shoots 30% from three. I agree with you there. I'm just yeah, telling I mean, you, I mean, you're, it's like a catch 22. Yeah. I, I, it, it comes down to me the same logic. Maybe it would be different had we won this year, had we not had the injuries, had we maybe, you know, won that championship and, and things, and we were going for a three-peat. But I think what we found out this year is that both this year and last year are unique circumstances. They're not like a normal season. There are factors that really changed how certain players played and how certain people performed. Um, there is the injury factor that became a huge part of the of the landscape for this season. And so we're looking at two sort of strange seasons. And I think what happened with the Lakers is that, and I'm not taking anything away from the accomplishment that they did in winning a championship in the bubble, because that was very difficult as we saw teams like the Bucks and teams like the Clippers fall by the side and the Lakers didn't fall into that thing. But what they did do is they got extraordinarily extraordinary shooting from LeBron James and Anthony Davis, both from the mid-range and deep, better than they had done during the regular season, better than either one of them had done from the three-point line in the playoffs, you know. Uh, and as a result, they also got good performances from a lot of our role players. When I look at the performances that we got from our role players in the 2020 championship game, and I compare that to what I'm seeing from some of those same role players on some of the other teams, what I'm seeing from the Cameron Paynes, the Reggie Miller, the, 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 the Reggie Jacksons, you know, the, I mean, you can go down the line and there's a I half a dozen. I was going to say, are you talking about the Reggie, Reggie Miller on his performance on the mic? <laughs> Yeah, no. Reggie Jackson, uh, Reggie Jackson, I mean, he's what we hoped that that Dennis Schroeder was going to be. Yeah. You know, and they had only cost him minimum salary to get this guy. That one still stings. Um, we got J.R. Smith instead. Oh, boy. I've seen a lot of heroics from role players in this series that tells me that the Lakers over over appreciated or overvalued the role players that they had and thought that, you know, I mean, we heard it all season long, Frank Vogel over and over saying the shots are going to fall. We're getting good shots. Just keep taking those shots. We're going to regress to the mean. We're going to, you know, things will be fine. The shots will fall. He kept saying that all the way through the Phoenix series, the shots are going to fall. Well, man, they never fell. They fell for the Suns, and they're falling for the Clippers. The Clippers are the top shooting three-point team in the league and the top free-throw shooting team in the league. That's something that's very hard to beat, and they're a very dangerous team now, even though they're behind one-two. You know, thank you, Paul George. It's going to be difficult, yeah. And you know that I don't. You know, I, I'm I'm not a Paul George fan. That's for sure. But you know, he's one hell of a player. I'll tell you that. And uh, you know, he's he's carrying a big load. Um, they could easily be up 2-1. They should be up 2-1 right at this point. I know. Well, we'll get to and that in a second. Attention. Well, let, let's, fin- let's finish the Lakers conversation yeah, because so, we're going to have more. You know, so I think the Lakers have to upgrade their starting lineup. And if they have to give up depth to do that, I believe they have to do that. And that means that 
it's primarily their guards in the center. The, the starting point guard and shooting guard in the center are the three positions they got to upgrade. You can't have a, a shooting guard that's averaging less than 10 points a game. Shooting guard is where, I mean, that's where everybody, that's where, that's Booker's position. It's, you know, it's Paul George's position. It's all of the guys that are the big scorers in the league. And you lose so much when you when you have KCP at that spot. And then Schroeder just can't shoot the three. And he has a, he's barely over two in his assist to turnover ratio. And that's just deadly. I mean, you looked at what Cameron Payne or what Chris Paul did through the series. And, you know, I think something like 30, uh, just Cameron Payne in the game that he had before he was injured in this game, the last game, 29 points, eight assists, zero turnovers. That's the kind of ball security that you really need to control. Because when the Lakers, when the Lakers hold their turnovers under ten, they're almost unbeatable. Spencer, I think he's infatuated with Cameron Payne. Is he a UFA by any chance? He is. <laughs> what do you know? What do you know about that? Yeah. Hmm. A man who's about to become very rich. A guy who played had to play in Europe because he had lost his spot in the NBA. Has come back strong. It's a great story there. Wasn't so great for the Lakers when he was hitting on the Lakers. Three-point shooter in percentage this year, 44% for the regular season. uh, He's done a great job. I hope his ankle's okay because he did turn his ankle in this game, which is uh, part of the reason why the the Clippers uh, were able to score two points, I think. (laughs) Yeah. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. But Spencer, do you concur with Laker Tom on that? Do you see them going ahead and filling out the roster that way as far as focusing on that starting lineup? Because I'm not going to say I disagree with Tom because as we've seen with Reggie Jackson, Campaign, the other individuals that are out there that you can go ahead and get out there for a cheap price, seemingly those guys that are able to go ahead and have those, I don't want to say career years, but those career revival years, they seem to be out there if you just – have a staff at your your executive level that knows what they're doing and knows what to look out for whether it's in europe whether it's in the g league whether it's someone who is just waived by a team somewhere out there you're able to go ahead and get two or three of those players because they always seem to like last year there was players uh that for dallas and other teams that were really able to go ahead and thrive off of players that they picked up and were able to go ahead and have those career type years so I, I want to ask you, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with Laker Tom. Do you think the priority should be in upgrading the starting lineup considerably? Yeah, I think a point guard we could use an upgrade. I know you were you were, said you weren't ready to give up on Schroeder 100% yet. Yeah, well, that, part of that's because just 
um, based on the fact that we have his bird rights, he's kind of has us in a trap where you don't do a sign and trade or a double sign and trade. You're you're gonna pay him, and you're probably gonna pay him more than what you want to, yeah. more than what you think is like actually worth, right? Yeah. So of like Marcus Morris of the Clippers, he got four years in '64. That's called the bird rights trap. So. But I think Spencer Dinwiddie said he wanted to come to L.A. recently. Maybe there's a Simon trade there. Or, I mean, or but that would get you one one distributing point guard that can't shoot for one that you just traded away that, you know, did some good things but also can't shoot. So it doesn't put you in a better shooting situation. But Dinwiddie, uh, Dinwiddie I like. I'm not saying I don't like him. I'm just saying that you, he comes with two bad knees – and also a shaky outside shot. So I'm just saying. Great, and great like playmaker. Dennis, he wants a payday. Yeah. <laughs> and like Dennis, he wants a payday. So, you know, yeah. come with some trepidations there. But I agree with Laker Tom. I mean, we've, we've Tom and I have spoken about this since the bubble, Spencer. I mean, we, we just, they needed outside shooting, needed consistent outside shooting. I mean, they were able to get by in the bubble because their defense was so outstanding and they were all healthy at the key positions. I mean, LeBron and AD being healthy is the number one factor why they won last season. But again, this Four is something. Four and a half months that, off. That, yeah. That, uh, wish we could get that before this playoffs. Exactly. A different I mean, story. Yeah, the much different story. But Spencer, I mean, you you if you were to target one position primarily to upgrade substantially, would it be point? Would it be shooting? Or would it be the center position for the starting lineup? Great. I mean, question. you're obviously upgrading all three. But I mean, if you had to focus in on one, okay. So it have it has to be shooting guard, right? Because centers, you know, if you look around the league, sort of the archetype of centers that most teams have is just like a lob threat and a rim protector, and that's a valuable skill. But it's also a skill you can get at the minimum, right? You can have like a JaVale McGee or a Dwight Howard at the minimum, just start and play like two shifts in a game. So I don't think centers really the biggest need. Obviously, you, you'd you want to upgrade point guard. Like, having a point guard that's a star, like, I don't know, Kyle Lowry, that, that's a dream scenario, and it would really, like, raise the ceiling of your team. But I think the most realistic and, like, actionable goal would be to upgrade a shooting guard. So I know KCP, he can, he's pretty consistent on defense. He's more streaky as a shooter. But, yeah, I think – I agree with Laker, Tom. You need more – more than nine points per game out of your shooting guard. And I think if you're going to push your assets somewhere, that's probably the most reasonable position. Well, we'll close out the Lakers conversation for now until Monday's show with this. I'm just going to let you ponder this. Okay, I know Laker Tom's got to put the last word, but how about this? I said Christian Wood as a possibility. I don't think the Lakers will have enough salary to match it, but would be nice though if Christian Wood and Eric Gordon getting those two to come over, and then you get Kyle Lowry on the MLE. I think the Lakers would gladly pay enough taxes for that one. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, Christian Wood and Anthony Davis would be like a dream front court, right? Yeah. With Eric Gordon, you know, would be a, a I guess a good enough shooting guard at this point Eric, in time. Yeah, Eric Gordon's fine as a shooting. Guard. I am worried about depending on which year he wants to be healthy. Yeah, that and his contract is really inflated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's Matt, what I'm saying. I don't think they have enough contracts. But those are the guys. Those are the only guys that we're going to be able to get. You know, we're not We're not going to get – we can't trade for Luca. 
Yeah. You know, we can't trade for Embiid. But he, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think Spencer's right. If you look at it from a pure standpoint, which position is got the most potential to be improved? Because that's, I think, how you start to look at it. I mean, in a perfect world, when you go out there and you look at the candidates available and you got somebody from each one of those positions that you think is good and you got your assets and, okay, who, where are you going to spend your money? I think he's right from shooting guard. The reality, though, comes in that what will happen, it'll be the deal that will determine which one of those positions gets filled. If Christian Wood is available, if the Lakers could make, like my dream scenario that I'm harping on right now is 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 uh, Ben Simmons, but as a center, as a small ball center. I, I think agree with you 110%. He would be just so dynamite as a center because – He's got 1.6 steals per game and 0.8 blocks per game. He would probably have over well over three stocks per game. And then game Spencer, I would never game. hear Laker Tom again saying that the center couldn't guard out there because he would be able to guard one it's through why, five. Games. It's why it's why but you Rudy would need Gobert, shooters. You would Javale need shooters. McGee, Dwight Howard, all of those guys get pulled out of the game and get get yeah. played off of the floor. Gobert, um, we saw but if, but Gobert. the same token, if you get an opportunity to get Buddy Heel, for example, you can solve your shooting guard problem because he he takes 10, 10 threes per game and hits forty percent of them. That's really the that's what you need. You need a guy out there so that when your players drive in the hoop, they gotta leave somebody glued to Buddy Heel or glued to a, a shooter. Lowry, if Lowry's available, it's point guard that's gonna get filled up. Because Lowry basically is a perfect fit because he shoots eight threes a game and shoots them at 40%. And is a veteran, a proven veteran who distributes eight assists per game. So it's, but it's, it's hopefully getting somebody in one of those three positions that could be the third star of the team. I think, I think everybody's starting to understand how important having a third star is as far as it goes from an insurance standpoint. Because otherwise, the Nets, the Nets, basically, you could saw that they had to lose two superstars before they were derailed. Otherwise, they'd come through it. And they're going to be tough next year. They're going to be the team to beat next year. Just you're just going to have unless you spend the season hoping that they're going to get injured. You better do something to be ready to face them when it comes in, because they're going to be the team to beat. And then the Clippers, the Clippers, too. You know, I mean, the Clippers have are going to make some moves this summer and they've got quite a few assets to make those moves more than the Lakers do, to be honest. They got they don't have players on the team, not draft choices, not, not draft, draft choices, but they got contracts on the team. Yeah. We've got two contracts. I mean, the worst thing about the turning down the deal for Kyle Lowry, in my opinion, is I think that we might've survived this, the, the Suns had we done that. But the worst thing is now that we don't have contracts to trade. Because the guys that we were trading, we could have traded at that point in time, were the Heralds and the Shooters who had contracts. Now they're basically, we have to find somebody to do a sign and trade, which means you've got to find a team that, that wants Schroeder but doesn't have cap space, yeah. you know, or, or that wants Harrell and doesn't have cap space. And fortunately, cap space is a little, I mean, because of Giannis signing with Milwaukee, a lot of teams have done moves that, since then that have taken up a lot of that cap space everybody expected this season to have. So, you know, it's 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 going to be a real challenge for, for Rob Palenka. And the good thing about it is there are a lot of 
there are a lot of super talented players who have either flaws or injury problems that lower their trade value right at this point in time. And then the other situation that the Lakers have to deal with is, do we want to hard cap ourselves? I'm almost of the opinion of thinking that the Lakers are going to hard cap themselves and it's going to be partly because they know that that's the only way they can get one of these people who is one of these players who is now a free agent. That's the only way you can get them because otherwise they can't be traded. And secondly, well, but secondly, it's a financial conservative move that prevents you from going out and becoming the warriors and paying a hundred million dollars in, in luxury taxes, because all of a sudden you got to be frugal and you got to be economical, you know, and, and uh, so I don't think there's a hesitation on the Lakers if they get a situation where they're going to hard cap themselves because uh, if they could get a third star, I think that they, and even if they had to, even if it was a sign and trade for Kyle Lowry uh, that they had to make in order to get that, I think that they're, they're going to do that just simply because it's, it makes financial sense. I mean, the Warriors, for the Warriors to go out and, and the Warriors were in a situation during this season where, you know, when they when they made that deal for Ubre and some of those deals, you were talking if you added really looked at the single transaction, you're talking about playing forty forty five fifty million dollars to make that move. In taxes alone. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's I mean nobody you're you're talking about paying more than what LeBron makes and more than what Steph makes and more than you know, it's it's just crazy when you get into that. And but and the apparently thing is apparently apparently Golden State is willing to do that. But the thing is, you have to spend money right now because of the window that LeBron and AD have for you. You know, that's but the just thing. Like, just, like the, just like the hard cap puts you in a tough situation, the huge luxury tax, being way over the luxury tax thing because of the way the penalties multiply where you're playing three and a half, five times what you pay for the, as the penalty, it becomes a point where you can't add anybody there either, just like in a hard cap. Because the amount of money that you'd have to pay out in taxes and salary make the move just really stupid. You can't do it. It's like way too much. Diminishing returns. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally, so don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But again, I think the Lakers have to do what they need to do in order to go ahead and try to maximize whatever window you have left for LeBron James and also Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis should be considered on a window himself because of the health issues that you see he has and has consistently had over the past few years. So 
it's not an accident that he signed that contract because he knew exactly how fragile he is. So he knows his body better than anyone. So I think knowing that as a Lakers organization, you really have to come to understand that, you know what, the winning time is now and you need to do everything that you can. Ben Simmons would be a great choice. The thing is the Lakers would have to get shooters would really have to get and we wouldn't have any and we wouldn't have anything left to go get the shooters after we traded for ben yeah exactly maybe they could there's throw a situation where you might see us trade for uh, draft crispert for example or or somebody who's an elite shooter duarte, just because we had no yeah. other choice duarte uh, if he's at if he's at if he's still yeah. available right then but somebody spencer like i'll tell you what i agree with laker tom i think ben simmons would be a great target i know that i understand the kid's got a lot going on in his head right now I know, and as Rafael Barlow reminded me, he's got a lot of work that he needs to do that he wasn't doing before in the gym. Being with LeBron, I think, would probably be the one individual that would probably get you into the gym. But, and being third option rather than second option. Yeah, and being a third option, too. But to see the tremendous potential he could give the Lakers, that would be a great option. But your thoughts on what Laker Tom said before we head over to the NBA playoffs? I mean, yeah, obviously, trade for Ben Simmons if Daryl Morey, I think, would. I mean, I think he'd have to lose his mind to take KCP <laughs> and Montrez Harrell and, you know, Dennis Schroeder for Ben Simmons. Like, and THT. Yeah. You know, Rich Paul probably has to demand a trade yeah. to yeah, the Lakers. I, I'd, I'd, I'd rather invest in, like, right-handed Ben Simmons shooting threes than, yeah. you know, take the Lakers role players. But I think the Lakers will be hard-capped either because – they want to use Schroeder in a sign and trade. And so that's going to, you know, if you do like the double. It's only, it's only they only get hard capped on an incoming player. Yeah. Double. If you do so, they can, so they can, they can trade Dennis in a sign and trade. But if they bring somebody in in a sign and trade, that's what hard caps are. Yeah. Yeah. Double sign and trade. That's, yeah. Okay. And then also, I think if you, to get like a real rotation piece, you're going to end up using your full MLE, right? You're yeah. not going to want to just use the taxpayer. Unless we use it on Andre Drummond. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just telling you right now, another year of Laker Tom moaning about Andre Drummond. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. All right. It, it, Here's one thought that I've had, which will really freak you out, Gerald. Oh, geez. What if we did trade for Kyle Lowry, for example? And we got Kyle Lowry, and then... And then Andre Drummond said, you know what? I'll sign for two years for $6 million. That gets him for a third year for the Lakers, meaning we'd have we'd have bird rights for him from that point on, you know, with a gentleman's agreement that you're going to pay me a lot more when you renew that contract after two years. Would I take Andre Drummond over Dwight Howard again? By the way, if, if, and forget how bad Dwight has played in the playoffs. He was absolutely atrocious, the biggest plus minus in the Philadelphia 76ers lineup. I think, you know, it, it's it's hard because it, I think what's really unusual about the, the idea of putting, of putting um, a traditional center in the Lakers, we saw that it worked, but, but we've seen it almost every one of those centers get played off of the court in the playoffs because they can't, they can't defend out to the three-point line. Um, they take Gobert out to the three-point line and guards are driving by him and making layups because they can go on either side of the basket. They've got room to navigate and so forth. So the one thing that that's kind of interesting is most teams seem to be going 
small ball for a center for an offensive force. They want a three-point shooter out there to stretch the floor. And what Ben Simmons offers is the opportunity to say, the heck with that. We're going to get a guy that you just can't, that he can guard one to five. And we'll have a bat, we'll have a front court with three six nine to six eleven, two hundred and fifty pound guys who are all quick athletic, all of whom can play elite defense and can guard one to five. That's something that nobody's seen in in defenses. The other option comes out always to the same thing. And it didn't work this year because AD was injured. But last year AD was the center for sixty percent of the time in the playoffs and the Lakers dominated because AD dominated. He was so good on defense and LeBron was so good on defense. The two of them really anchored that defense together this year. You know, we just didn't have either one of them up to par and, and we paid a price for it. There is a reality like Spencer said that the, the center position has been devalued in the NBA. I mean, for this all-star game, they don't even vote for centers anymore. You just vote for, Power guards and forwards. The centers don't get a special slot anymore. But I as mean, Latvia will tell you, there's still a part because you had Jokic, you had Embiid, you yep. had Gobert, you you have DeAndre Ayton right now. They're yeah, all it's a, guards, it's a guards league. It has become a guards league. I think the Lakers could flip that around if they could get Simmons and turn him into a center. But, you know, I mean, it's guys with the balls in their hand. And that's, that's the other thing because he could be a point center just like LeBron is a point forward, really, when you come down to it. Like Spencer was saying last week, there's a lot of scenarios where the Lakers may decide that, okay, we'll overpay Schroeder because if we don't overpay him, we don't have money to replace him, you know? So we either have to find a trade, and if you can't find a trade for him, he may be the best point guard that you can get. And he's not hes not chopped liver. I'm not, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things I like about Dennis. His competitiveness is, is he's got some real dog in him, you know, on defense and, and offense. And uh, uh, it's just when he gets careless with the ball and the fact that he sometimes his set shot leaves him, you know, he shot 39% last year, which was uh, in retrospect, an outlier. And that's the Lakers bet on that heavily and he wasn't able to replicate it. But on the other hand, he, he also shot, you know, high eighties and free throws. So free throws are usually, a very good predictor of whether or not somebody has the capability to be an outstanding three-point shooter, which is why I still have a lot of faith that that THT will at some point in time, you know, become an excellent three-point shooter. He's already got that one-foot step back fadeaway shot that he's got in the rim, which is just like the, you know, that's the, that's the two-point field goals that really fit perfectly in the analytics story. The threes that you, the twos that you don't want to take are the ones that are 17 feet out to the, three-point line those are the ones that I think one player in the league shot 50 percent on one player in the entire league on those shots was able to shoot over 50 percent nobody else was able to so it's you know it's Rob Palenka didn't get a single vote for executive of the year this year he's going to have to really reverse that whole impression this summer and it's a big opportunity for him and a real challenge because he is a little bit strapped for assets and both from draft picks, from players, cap space, everything. So it's going to be very tough. But he still does have something that nobody else has, which is healthy, I think, two of the best five players in the world. Hi, this is Mr. Holiday from the podcast, My Worst Holiday. And you're listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.
Hey Lakers fans, looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. We'll see what happens. But again, we'll keep you updated on all the Lakers movements right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And we'll talk more of this as far as what the Lakers can do on our Monday episode. But before we head on out, guys, an update on Jason Kidd, who assistant coach for the Lakers, may be no longer. Spencer, are you hearing the same rumors that I am that he is interviewing with Mark Cuban, Sands, a president of basketball operations right now, because they don't have one. But it looks like they're going to fill that spot as a head coach, seemingly first, although it's, they're supposed to guess time it right between a GM and a coach at the same time. But that coach looks like more and more that be Jason Kidd. Is that a good move for Dallas? And what does that do for the Lakers going forward? Uh, well, I mean, if, I think if Rick Carlisle is going to publicly endorse Jason Kidd, I think it's fine for Dallas. He, he just has to figure out what to do on offense with Porzingis and then what to do on defense with some limited um, options. Um, sorry. Oh for, oh, for the Lakers, I think I think we have a pretty strong coaching staff. I think I forgot we have – oh, we have Lionel Hollins – correct uh bill handy i think is a good player development coach so i think we'll be okay i mean so one of the things I've, I've clamored for is what they've had in brooklyn with mike d'antoni coming in as the offensive side of things which everybody knows how well mr seven seconds or less has done on the offensive end there's no question about his authority there and he may get another gig and may possibly be portland or somewhere else that mike d'antoni might get a job at so they'll need a assistant coach but Laker Tom, real quick, I want to go ahead and ask, offensively, I mean, the Lakers need someone to come in there and provide a better scheme. You and I have talked about this before. But, yes, you think that's going to be a thing really quickly before we head over to the playoffs? Well, there's all this talk that that uh, that the departure of Jason Kidd could open up an opening for an offensive coordinator for the Lakers. Would be nice. And, and I've, I've wanted an offensive coordinator for the Lakers for a long time. I would be great to see that happen. Will it happen? I kind of doubt it simply because it's kind of like the situation Rick Carlisle found himself in. Rick Carlisle is a coach who, who always has had a history of liking. He's one of those coaches that likes to call plays, you know? Well, when you got Luka Doncic, <laughs> you know, it's not, that's, or you've got Magic Johnson or you got LeBron James. Those guys don't want to have a coach calling the plays. They want to be in. They have the ball. They want to be in charge. They're the floor general, and and they they want to they want the game to be free flowing. But Brooklyn had the same thing, and look who hate they had on their team. Yeah, true, but it still wasn't a normal Mike D'Antoni team, you know, because Mike D'Antoni wasn't the head coach. Yeah. So you know, there's a there's a big difference there, and Steve Nash is always. Always, always been somebody who's really respected by almost everybody in the league. 
our offense, whether we like it or not, is LeBron James. And it's Anthony Davis. It's LeBron deciding that he's passing the torch to Anthony and setting Anthony up to be the leading scorer. And and I thought had we gone into the playoffs healthy this year, I thought Anthony Davis would be the next MVP in the finals. And LeBron would be, you know, that's part of one of the steps of leadership of turning over the position to him. So I can, I'm going to be hoping that we bring in somebody who can add a little more movement in the offense. I mean, I've always loved, I love the job that um, the Warriors have always done offensively, the, the amount of movement that they have and the amount of counters that they have on things. They've had different assistant coaches, Mike Brown, uh, the guy from uh, who was the Suns coach before. They, they've always had a good sort of associate coach who was very offensive minded, you know. Um, and the Lakers, you know, it, it seems to make sense to me to have an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. On the other hand, you know, if you can't play defense, Frank Vogel is not going to play you. You know, so that's that's the other side of it is, that, you know, we always talk about guys losing their shot when they come to the Lakers. And part of that is that the guys that we bring in and are shooters always have to have a little bit of defensive ability or else Frank ain't going to play them at all. You know, they're not going to get any minutes or they're going to get hunted the the way that Lat McLemore did every time the opponents come down the court. So. It'd be great to see the Lakers, uh, you know, Jason Kidd. I, I remember all of the stories and worries about everybody, the anxieties that Jason was going to be a backstabbing assistant coach. It was going to, you know, cause all of these issues and so forth. Well, you know, Rob Palenka, we haven't heard any of those stories, any of those disarray stories that the front office is in shambles. And he, Rob's done a terrific job of getting everybody on the same page. And the Lakers... The Lakers front office is locked down pretty tight. I, you know, there may be more cooks in there that I would like to have if I were running the Lakers. You've got Kurt Rambis and his wife and and then Jeannie putting her two cents in and Kobe's probably sending messages from heaven to her, you know, on what to do. And, and, and you know, it's, I mean, it's, there's a lot of people to get a consensus and to do something on the Lakers, you know. It's, it's not cut and dry because everything also has to go through AD and LeBron. Like I'm sure that, you know, AD and LeBron signed off on Andre Drummond being the starter, promising the starting position. You know, they wouldn't have done that without, without LeBron and AD agreeing to it. So a lot of this is going to, so even bringing in an offensive coordinator and changing the offensive styles and so forth, I think a lot of what we see on the court that we sometimes don't like probably could be attributed to LeBron and and Anthony's desire that to get the ball where they like the ball and to play the kind of offense that they want to like, that that they're used to playing, that they feel is best for their career. And then, you know, I I could understand a great coach like like, uh, Rick Carlisle making a decision to leave a player like Luka Doncic because – he he wants to be the coach. And some guys, you know, he's more comfortable coaching a team where you've got a balanced roster rather than a superstar dominated roster and, and structure. Well, we'll see what happens with that situation in Dallas, but it looks like Jason Kidd is heading that way. 
Before we head on out, guys, and before we talk about what you guys are up to real quickly on your respective sites, medium.com and also as well, lakerholics.com, Spencer, I feel like a little bit of shimmying once again, Mr. Mr. Trey Young. I'll tell you what, he's really doing well. He's exceeded expectations. Speaking of Luka Doncic and Trey Young, Trey Young has helped and guide the Atlanta Hawks to a one to nothing lead in the best of seven series for the Eastern Conference Finals over the Milwaukee Bucks. A, do you think Atlanta will pull it out over a seven-game series? I reluctantly, as I said on my show with, with Raphael, picked Milwaukee in seven, but I was very hesitant, and I said that live on air, and I would not be surprised if Atlanta wins. And B, who do you think is now, looking back on it, gotten the best of that trade, Luca, for Trey Young, and also Cam Reddish as well? Okay, so I think the big if on the Bucks and Hawks has to be Coach Bud's, like, decision making like I think he had his team go under on screens on Trey Young so you know obviously he hit a lot of threes and then that shimmy three was like I could have shot that three even with a bad shoulder right (laughs) and then he moved Brooke Lopez into a deep drop so then you know obviously once Trey Young gets past the screen he has a wide open floater so I think it was that was like the low point of Coach Bud's coaching for this series. So, yeah, I think maybe Bucks in six or seven, you kind of see, like, you saw at the end of the Nets series, it takes a lot for um, Budenholzer to make adjustments, right? He's pretty stubborn with what he does. And then as far as the trade goes, I still think, I still think the Mavs would take it because some of, I think a decent part of Atlanta's success this year has to be that they just have a really strong team structure around Trey Young, right? If you're going to run, if you're going to have like a pick and roll based offense, it makes more sense to have like John Collins and Clint Capella than have, um, than, than, than like paying Chris F. Porzingis 30 million to be a spot up shooter, right? So they, I think they've allocated their resources in a way where they have spot up shooters like Kevin Herter and Bogdanovich and Gallinari on cheaper deals. And they're paying a lot to John Collins and Capella, right? Or they will be paying a lot for John Collins. They will. Yeah. They will after this playoffs. Yeah. He'll get his max. Uh, and then Dallas, on the other hand, you know, you're paying $30 million to Porzingis and you're hoping that your undrafted guy in Dorian Finney Smith and your big man from Europe and Maxi Kleba are going to like be your spot up shooters, right? So it's an imbalanced system, I think. I, I'd still do to trade all, over again if I'm Dallas. I'm trading Trey Young and Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish has been injured for a lot of two seasons. Absolutely. Um, doing the trade. It's Luca freaking Doncic, man. Well, right now it's also Trey freaking Young right there yeah. for you. You know, waiting clutch, by. He's, He's going to be the Lakers point guard down the road. Oh, yeah. Everybody you have going to the Lakers. So, yeah, there you go. Why not? Luca would be great pairing with LeBron. But, yes, uh, need, I, need I digress on that. But still, Laker Tom, real quickly, because we're it's already time to go, let me hear your thoughts on would you trade either which one? Because right now Atlanta's fl- flying high. Dallas is in disarray. Once, you know, six months ago, people would have thought you crazy if you thought Trey was even close to Luca. Now a lot of people are not so sure. I'd still take Luca. In a heartbeat, without a doubt. He is going to be 
at some point the best player in the NBA. Well, there you go. There you go. Indeed. But guys, we also want to go ahead and close out the, sh- the show to letting everybody know that the Clippers and one of our favorites here on the show, Ivica Zubats, the great performance from him, 15 points, 16 rebounds, two blocks, showing that he can be an integral part. I know that he gets played off the courts on some occasions, like a lot of the big guys do, but he can play an integral part of a Clippers winning franchise. And after the pandemic P, two missed free throws that cost them the game on that alley-oop, or the Valley Hoop, as they call it. The Clippers did win 2-1. to one. Spencer, do you see them coming back and taking the series, or do you think it's going to be Phoenix all the way after this? No, I think Chris Paul and Devin Booker's games today were more of an anomaly than, you know, the norm. And 10 for 40. Yeah, right. They shot 10 for 40 for the game, over 9 in the first quarter. I think they need to make the Clippers pay for um, playing Zubots and drop coverage. I think we saw that in game one when Booker scored 40. Like he had that third quarter stretch where he's he's just bringing the ball down and scoring mid range jump shots every time, right? Yeah. You didn't really see that today. And I mean, the Clippers don't have many adjustments to go. They put Morris Senior as, as their backup center, but he's he's hobbled. I mean, he's he's playing on like one leg, and I don't know what's what's going on with Kawhi. So that's that's their last trick is matching Zubots with Aiden's minutes and. Putting more senior at the five when Zubats have the game. Well, again, uh, we're rooting for Ivica. Not necessarily the Clippers, but we are rooting for Ivica because he should have never been traded. But that's a trade for another day that we keep on bringing up here. But <laughs> guys, before we head on out, again, it's the Clippers are down, still two games to one. And of course, Atlanta taking a one nothing lead. We'll keep updating you on the NBA playoffs on our Monday show. The Lakers what, what are your break. predictions for the two series, Gerald? Well, I said you? that it was going to be Milwaukee in seven, and Phoenix, for me, it's going to be in six. I think it's it, it maybe even five. Maybe that's and the Spencer, only game. Your predictions? Bucks in seven. Let's go Suns in fives. I'll be hmm. optimistic. So he's got I'm this. Sort of the only game. The Bucks, I'm at the Bucks in seven also, same as you guys. I have the... I have the Suns in seven. I think yeah. both series are going to go seven. Well, we'll wait and see on that, but it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out, but we'll keep giving you updates right here at the Lakers Fast Break. But, guys, before we head on out, I want to hear your thoughts on what you're doing and what you're up to. Spencer, I know you're working on a great medium.com site, basketball-university. Please let everybody know why they need to check that awesome medium.com site out. Yeah, so we just dropped the – a feature article on Ben Simmons and his four years in the NBA. So go check that out. And we've got, um, we got conference finals predictions up and we've got some more great pieces coming out soon. So go check out our site. Absolutely. It's a great thing. Indeed. It is again, medium.com slash basketball dash university. Please appreciate all of Spencer's great work and everybody else that's part of basketball university there today. But Laker Tom, you also work on a medium.com site uh, slash Laker Tom, because, of course, it is all about Laker Tom. And you're so humble when you just put Laker Tom in the middle of everything. But at Laker Tom on Twitter, <laughs> but also as well, you're doing a lot of stuff. You're, you're also giving, okay, I should say, Jamie Sweet and Sean Grice a lot of grief on Lakerholics.com as well, correct? Yep. 
I, listen, one of the things that's kind of interesting about both Lakerholics.com and uh, Basketball University is that these are sites where you're going to find original content that you're not going to see anywhere else. It's not, they're not, not, these sites don't aggregate stories the way that a lot of the other Laker sites do. They instead are providing original content. And, and on Lakerholics.com, one of the, what I've always believed to be the biggest attraction and feature and reason that people come to the site is for the comments. It's for the conversations that ensue uh, about the different subjects. And, and it's also, I guess, rather than just aggregating the news, we sort of curate it. We're not going to post something up there as just straight news without also adding a comment or putting a sub, putting a title of the post on the site that has a particular point of view, uh, an attitude and so forth. I know that Spencer looks at Basketball University as a site for informed fans. I consider Lakerholics.com to be a site for smart fans. And so, you know, those are the types of things that you want. There's both two great places to, uh, counting Lakers fast break, you've got three sources of original Lakers content and NBA content that you won't find anywhere else that basically will always be respectful you may differ. We may have differences in opinions, differences in what it should be the priorities that the Lakers should do. But you'll find in both all three sites that there are places where you can feel safe that you're going to be respected and appreciated when you make a comment, when you read a story, when you clap for an article. We're trying to just develop a group, sort of like a family of different different Lakers resources that fans can go to. And that's that's what we're trying to do with these podcasts too, which is to inform, educate, and and make the make our fans smarter. And also, you know, any chance we can get, uh, uh, I work hard to try to get points of views that are, let's say, out of out, thinking out of the box, if you will. Um, I don't really, you know, most of the articles that I write are going to be different from the stuff that you're going to read on. Lakers Nation and the and the other aggregating sites because they're going to be things that I think have a unique point of view and I and I see that same type of thing. It's why even before Spencer before I ever invited Spencer on this show, uh, he and I have, have exchanged comments on our two medium sites for well over a year and and uh, tremendous numbers of articles that both of us have have posted and associates of ours have posted on those sites. So. I invite everybody to, you know, if you really, if you're a Laker fan and you really want to get a good handle on what's going to happen going forward for the Lakers in the next year, what's going to happen this off season, stay tuned, uh, go to basketball university and go to Lakerholics.com and listen to the podcast that Gerald puts together, whether they include myself and the Lakerholics team or the people from basketball university, Raphael Barlow from uh, NBA, NBA draft junkies, you got some great sources here for information. We always have a good time. So join us. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. And guys, it's just been great having you both aboard. Want to wish you both a great weekend. Also want to wish a good weekend to Alex Caruso, who needs to have a better idea of exactly which state has which marijuana law in practice because he was busted for marijuana possession and also marijuana paraphernalia possession. In the state of Texas, he's going to try to combine the lawnmower thing with the grass conviction. 
and he's going to come out with his own strain of cannabis to get at your local dispensary soon. Sure has actually stayed in Nevada when he was here in Vegas. But then again, that's yeah, that's Alex Caruso there for you. But guys, it's been must great. Know Texas. You have yeah. to watch out in Texas. Well, he didn't know Texas well enough, that's for sure. <laughs> but guys, it's been great to talk to both of you. I look forward to speaking to both of you, plus our cast of characters that we have hopefully Sunday when we tape it and Monday when everybody hears it right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. 